Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. All right, we're going to head over to Cedar Hill Park. This is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. Good talking with you. Um, Thank you. Built our house 26 years ago. And uh, so I'm thinking it's about time probably to refresh the uh, insulation in the attic. And I hear you uh, advertising Milo. And yeah. I heard you talking about uh, Energy Q a couple, couple weeks ago. Pros and cons on either one? or. Well, how much insulation do you have in the attic right now? Oh, I don't know. It's just uh, you know, stuff that was blown in. Okay. Well, the reason I'm asking that is a lot of times people think, well, I just I need to add more insulation, and, and you don't necessarily need to. Um, you know, typically we're looking for 15, 16 inches of insulation, and oh, okay. uh, that that gives you all the insulation you need. Now, the difference between insulation and radiant barrier, and the Energy Q is a radiant barrier. Yeah, insulation okay. blocks. It slows the heat transfer. Bear, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, by blocking or slowing down the heat transfer, basically that R value is a resistance number. Uh, it correlates to how long it's going to take for the heat to transfer through the insulation and get into the living space. And uh -huh. normally we're you know looking at like an R48, something along those lines, because it'll take it long enough to get through that we get into nighttime where it cools off again and... <coughs> Everything works fine. A, a radiant barrier has an E value. And the difference is, like, the Energy Q radiant barrier, I think, is an E95 or E96. And basically what that means is it's blocking 95 or 96% of the heat from even going through it. It, it doesn't just okay. slow it. It just plain stops it. And so... Yeah. If you've, you know, like your house, you've got that insulation, you could go over the top of the insulation you have with a radiant barrier like that, and that makes your insulation work better because it's not fighting with the heat that's in the attic. Right. And the way you can really tell how that radiant barrier works is just lay a sheet over your pull-down staircase and, you know, close it up, let the heat just build up in the attic. Pull that staircase down. And you feel absolutely no heat coming downstairs until you pick that heat up or that shield up and move it over. And all of a sudden, you're going to just feel the heat dropping into your living space. It's, it's just amazing how this product works. So uh, the two go hand in hand, though. Uh, in order to meet energy codes, you got to have uh, insulation. But to help make a house more energy efficient... The radiant barrier does it. Well, uh, with Milo installation, is, do, does the old uh, ins installation have to be taken out? Or No, sir. No, you can go right over the top, top of it. Yeah. Now, the nice thing about Milo insulation versus other blown-in like fiberglass and cellulose, they do settle over time, you know, fiberglass right. and cellulose. And as they settle and compact it does lose some of its energy efficiency because it's losing that dead air right. space in there. Uh -huh. 
-huh. With the Milo insulation, you never have that problem because it's got the dead airspace built into the peanut-like product. And so once it's up in the attic, it's done. And you never have to refresh that. No, sir. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it. You bet. You have a wonderful afternoon. You too. Take care. Said to Burleson and Chris, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hello, Jim Dudden. Hey, hey. I've listened to your show for a long time, and I really enjoy it, and I always learn something. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, my question today is my dishwasher. It's a Whirlpool. Uh, it's not particularly too old. It's it's pretty new for the most part. Um, and when I run it, uh, after it sits for a day, if like say for example, if it runs, doesn't load, and I leave it there for a day before I you know pull them out the dishes, there uh -huh. seems to be kind of an odor, and I'm like, hmm. So I, I think this is pretty common, but do I just need it to splash it with some bleach or something? Well, the first thing you need to do is check in the bottom. There's typically a, tra a trap down there to trap stuff that comes off the plates and, and all that. Uh, and sometimes it builds up with food that starts to decay, and that's what the odor comes from. And so it's just a matter of cleaning that trap out. There's, there's usually just a little removable uh, cup thing that comes out. If okay. it's not that then we get into there are cleaners that you can run through a dishwasher to help sanitize and clean everything up and that normally will take care of it then okay okay i did not know that about a trap so let me go look at it and i'll see if i can find that trap and i'll pull it and clean it and uh, i'll go from there yeah look down in the bottom you know where the right typically it's right in the middle uh it, it it's a plastic screen-looking type stuff down there. Yes, and sir. inside that, you'll find the, the little trap where it's trapping all the food particles. Okay. Well, that's very good intel, and I appreciate you so much. You bet. You have a great afternoon. Thank you, sir. Hello, Connie. How are you today? Hi. Doing good. Well, how can I help you? My parents have a house that was built in 1980, and it has a sunken living room. Okay. And they're getting older, so they want to make that floor level with the foyer in the hallway. So what would you recommend the best way to do that or to get some estimates to do that? Fill it in with concrete. Would, would you recommend the flowable concrete, the lightweight? No. any it, it doesn't have to be the lightweight by any means. I mean, if you want to use the lightweight, that's fine. But... You know, people worry about the foundation when they do something like that. And honestly, the foundation won't know the difference. In fact, all you're doing is making the concrete thicker and stronger by adding concrete to it. Um, okay. It's just, is this just a one step? It's like six inches? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, the easiest way is to just fill it in with concrete. And, and typically what they'll do is remove the flooring, move what's on the... Uh, you know, walls of the step down and right. get everything back away from it. And they'll use a pump to pump the concrete in to fill it up. Now, uh, you know, the reason that's easier and better than trying to put wood, you know, because the other choice that people do sometimes is they'll run two by sixes across and, and just deck over right. it. Well, now you're walking through the rest of the house and you hit that spot 
and it, it, it sounds different. But the bigger issue is those sunken rooms are notorious for getting water leaks in them later. And yeah. you would have trapped water underneath that floor, and it starts to mold and mildew. By filling it in with concrete, you just have nothing to worry about. Let's head into Dallas. Wendy, how are you doing today? Fine, thanks. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Good. Um, we have a house that was built in 88 with Marvin Wood windows. And they are double pane. They are divided like traditional home with the glass storms that come on and come off. The windows that are on the bottom floor have been um, compromised by the sprinkler and have rotted the window part. And so should I uh, repair them like with Bondo and that kind of thing, or should I pull them out and uh, replace them? And if I do that, should I, what should I replace them with? Well, let me ask you a couple quick questions. How bad is the deterioration you're having on them? Oh, it's about, um, it, it's about as wide as your thumb. I mean, it's, it's, you know, if it has like a two inch or three inch border around it, the uh-huh. bottom part is probably an inch and a half and you know it's been repaired you know a couple of times but i mean we okay. fixed the sprinkler so it's not doing it anymore and then the other thing i'll say is you know the house has been there since 88 i'm 70 and i'll probably live there for another 15 years i hope so that's another thing to consider sure well with that type of situation i out it's not worth probably fixing anymore it it is probably time to replace it Uh, especially if it's been doctored up a few times like that yeah Um, yeah so your choice are going to be to go back with wood or if you want to keep that wood look but have something that you don't have to worry about it deteriorating go with a fiberglass Uh, because they do have fiberglass windows that are made to look like wood. Now, whether it'll match the the ones you have, I don't know. Uh, was your wood painted, or did you keep it uh, a natural-looking wood? No, it's painted. It's white. Then the, the fiberglass ones can be painted, and uh, that would be fine. Or, since it is white, you can look at the vinyl replacement windows, and there again, you don't have to worry about them deteriorating. And will they be divided They're, light and have that same look as a Marvin? Yes, they can. Okay. And it would and, and it would be far less expensive. Well, good, because that was real expensive. Let's head to Arlington. And, Carol, this is Jim. How can I help you? Um, I have a, a barn, and I was going to install some automatic waterers in my barn. And from the water source to the stalls, I am looking for some insulated pipe. Um, that's frost, you know, that won't freeze. Can I buy that locally, or do I have to buy the pipe and then insulate it? How would I do that? Um, most of the time, you just buy the pipe and insulate it. Okay. It, it's, it, I mean, they do make some pipes that have uh, insulated and, and uh, heat wraps on them and stuff like that, but that gets unbelievably expensive. It, it's usually much easier to just put your lines in 
and then use the uh, pipe wraps on it to protect them. Okay. Okay. And then another question, how would I tie off that uh, water source to the, you know, to get the water to the each stall? Would I do a splitter on that? I'm trying to think of a way that would do it would be safe. That would be what? Safe and not, you know, not spring a leak or have a, have a leaking oh. problem. Uh, have you, you don't have any pipe there yet, correct? Yes, I have a hydrant there. Okay, but but you haven't run pipes through the through the barn and stuff yet. No. Okay. Uh, typically, it's just done with tees. Uh, liter- literally, you tee off and and have a drop. So usually, what happens is your main line will run along the length of where the horse stalls are or the stalls are, and you know, And, and I'm not sizing this for you because it'll depend on the size of the run. But let's just say you got a a one-inch line that's running down through the through the barn, and then you would tee off with, say, half-inch lines to drop into each stall to give them water. Okay, okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help. I enjoy your show. Oh, not a problem at all. You take care. Now, you know, if you're worried about freezing, yeah. one quick side note, um, uh-huh. I would take a look at using PEX. Because okay. one of the nice things about PEX pipe, when the lot, when the water inside freezes, you know, it'll expand. The PEX pipe can expand, and then as the water thaws, it shrinks back to its right size, and you don't have leaks. Okay, and I did see some of that at the local hardware store, the PEX pipe. So I would insulate that? Yep. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, you bet. You take care. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Wayne in North Houston, how can I help you today? Yes, sir. I have a uh, small house in Pasadena that's a rental property. And it uh-huh. was built right around the end of the war. No steel in the slab. And I've had it repaired a couple times, and there's just it just keeps, you know, cracking, you know, Cracks on the walls, yep. cracks on the floor, all that stuff. Anyway, what are my options besides tearing it down and starting over? <laughs> well, that was one option. <laughs> Took care of that yeah. one off the table, didn't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, there really yeah. isn't. On those old okay. wartime, you know, I'm, I, I grew up in Pasadena, and those right. old wartime houses, as the, the slabs are coming apart, there really Correct. is only two options. One is tear the house down and build another one the other one is they can you can lift the frame of the house and pour a new foundation under it but that's that's real expensive as well yeah there is there is no repairing the 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 existing slab though and and making it stay by any means um right well i've had some people tell me they would put some rebar in it and, and pour two inches of concrete over it but I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah, that's not gonna. It, that will do a temporary fix, but right. uh, when when the the concrete underneath moves, it will right. crack and break that that concrete on top of it. Yeah. Okay. And you, and I, and I will like tell you, I went I, I I went into a house one time over by St. Pius uh, there uh-huh. in Pasadena, and 
I, in fact, I drove by the house just last weekend, in fact, and uh, mm -hmm. th they were asking me the same thing, and theirs was broken up into pieces that were like, you know, two-foot diameter and stuff, and wow. it had two- and three-inch steps in it already. I mean, it was just horrible, and this yeah. was probably 20 years ago, and the guy says, well, what, what can I do with it? I said, I'm sorry. There is nothing that, that can be done with this. Uh, live with it as long as you can tear the house down and replace it and right. i swear i drove by that place a week later and that house was gone and there was a mobile wow. home sitting there <laughs> yeah hmm. well, i don't think they let me put a mobile home in, in the, where it's at but not not uh, anymore pasadena is trying to keep that from happening now exactly um well it's about a thousand square foot house what do you, what do you, what's the ballpark fee or what it would cost to jack it up and pour a new slab underneath it Oh, give me get my little number thing here so I can scare you. you you're sitting down, right? Hey, yes, sir, in the car or truck. <laughs> oh man, don't 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 drive off the road. Thousand yeah, square exactly. feet. Yes, sir. Oh, no two bedroom, one bath. Yeah. Now this doesn't include any plumbing. This is just right. picking it up and putting a foundation under it. But you're probably mm -hmm. going to be, give or take, thirty grand. Thirty grand, okay. Well, that's not as bad as I thought. So, of course, by the time you add foundation and other, I mean, uh, plumbing and other stuff, and well, but the plumbing actually <laughs> won't be that bad, uh, right? Yeah, because really you tear the, the existing one out, you put the new plumbing in, uh, mm -hmm. and then pour the concrete. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, All if right, you well, want to give us a call at, at Due West, uh, you know, heck, we're right there on 225. We'd be more than happy and to come over and take say. a look. I saw y'all sign. sign on 225. I said, well, maybe that's how they got started, fixing slabs out here. <laughs> Actually, that is how we got started. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. Well, I'll give you a call Monday then. All righty. Thank you, sir. The Magnolia first. And Bill, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yeah, Jim. Uh, we're going to be building a new house uh, over the, within the next couple months, and we have uh, access to city water uh, where we're located, and it's going to be about 4,500 PSI. They were telling me 45 to 48 PSI there at the meter, which is up by the uh -huh. road. Our house, our house is going to be about 850 feet back, and that's uh, a three-quarter foot, I mean a three-quarter inch tap. And I was just wondering what you would recommend or if it's even feasible to do it. The people that provide the water saying it could be done, the people are that far back or even further with that size tap. But my question, I mean, just wondering if, if you think it would, would work and also, um, you know, what size line you would run or something like that. Well, it, it would work, uh, but you, ain't, you run a three-quarter inch line that far back, you're not going to have... A whole lot of pressure when you get there so you you may have to put a booster pump on it in order to kick the pressure up some so yes it, it definitely could work uh what i'd be looking at they're only offering a three-quarter inch tap you can't get like a one inch well you can get a one inch uh the three-quarter is like say forty dollars for example and the one right. inch is 98 dollars a month well, well, one okay. is like 41 is 96. And uh, the 
the cost to install each one is roughly about the same. The right. one inch is a little more, but it's just that per month is uh, more than double. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, what the what the larger tap may do for you though is eliminate the need to have to do a booster pump to have decent pressure in the house. But you said the city's pressure is only at like forty five to forty eight psi to begin with. That's what that's what they're thinking. Okay, so yeah, that's on the low side. I mean, most uh, city water pressures there'll be somewhere between forty five and 80 psi, uh, uh, 45 to 70 is pretty common. So it's okay. on, it's going to be on the on the low side, and that's the reason I'm thinking you're probably going to need a booster pump. Okay. Well, do you think, um, I mean, if you um, see any benefit to, instead of running a, I wasn't going to run a three-quarter line, I was thinking about running like an inch and a quarter line. Yes. You know, uh, just a, a bigger line, and... Uh, I think it would slow down the vol the velocity, but increase the pressure somewhat, you know. And uh, you know, I I don't know. It, it just might not even well, work. It, I just have to get it's it not it's not going to increase the pressure for you. It, it definitely, it, you know, whatever the city tap is running is as high as your pressure is going to get. Okay. But it it, it mm -hmm. will increase the volume and maintain the pressure better. It, is what it'll do for you. So the bigger with the bigger pipe. Bigger OD. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess we need to consider some options then. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate the time and enjoy the show. Thank you, sir. You take care. We're going to head to Conroe. Hello, Frank. Hey, Jim. How are you today? Well, I'm doing wonderful. How about you? Hey, I'm doing great. Jim, I, I called your show in Dallas about a month or two ago. Just to remind your listeners the importance of making sure when they hire a plumber that they hire a licensed plumber. I'm the chairman yep. of the Texas State Board of Plumbing Examiners, and unlicensed activity, we see a lot of complaints coming in from people who are unlicensed. So I think it's important that your listeners ensure that who they hire has a license with the state. Without question, and... You know the 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 bootleg contractors. You know they oh wow we don't need it. We know what we've been we're we're doing and we've been doing it for a long time. If they were so smart, they'd go get the license. Jim, it takes a a lot of education, a lot of training to obtain a license. And having a license yourself, you know the importance of that license. And so consequently, when they do a job, they protect that license by the quality of their workmanship. Yeah, so I, I think. For your consumer, it, they're going to be money well ahead to hire a licensed person rather than some, as you call them, bootleggers. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And make and, you sure know, they're pulling their permits to, that, to go with it. If they will get the plumber's name, they can go to our website, just Google Texas State Board of Plumbing Examiners, and look that individual up and to ensure that he has a license or she and also, we have their uh, record of complaints, if any, that have been filed against that plumber. So you can you can be sure that the plumber you're using, uh, number one, has had a criminal background check. This year, we have started fingerprinting all licensed plumbers in Texas uh, to do a criminal background check. 
So there are a lot of mm. advantages to using a licensed plumber for the consumer versus one of these bootleggers. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, you know, the, the one thing you, that you uh, haven't brought up that we need to bring up as well is this is a great career choice for young people nowadays because the state desperately needs more plumbers. And, you know, not everybody wants to go to college nor should go to college. Just, you can make as much being a, a plumber as most people who go to college. Jeb, I'm glad you brought it up. This last legislative session uh, through House Bill 636 reinstituted a program, and we have negotiated a curriculum with the Texas Board of Education where a young person, as a sophomore in high school, can take two and a half years of plumbing, and when they graduate high school, they are eligible to sit for a tradesman exam to get a tradesman license. So mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity for young people to come out of high school and earn forty, fifty, fifty-five thousand dollars upon graduation from high school. And as you said, hey, would you mind telling me where I can hire some plumbers? You mind telling me where I can hire some plumbers for that kind of money? <laughs> well, that's just the numbers that I saw. You, you're living <laughs> in the real world. The important, <laughs> also a part of what we negotiated with the Texas Education Agency is that that course be taught under the supervision of a licensed plumber, a real-world plumber. So they won't just be scholastically smart. They'll also have some street smarts about actually doing the job when they graduate from high school. So we're really excited about it, and we think it's going to bring some well-needed relief in the industry in the years to come. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I can tell you in, in the real world, a tradesman, is probably going to be making somewhere between fifty and seventy thousand a year, and that's yeah, what, that's without o- without that overtime. Yes, sir. I, I don't think that's an exaggeration in the least. I know so, that yeah, high I, demand. Yeah, and and then you know, as somebody moves up and gets their uh, you know their journeyman and masters, uh, they they make substantially more. Six I figures. Mean, Six yes. figures easy. Yes. Yeah. I, Jim, so. can you imagine? And I'm I'm an old man, but can you imagine getting out of high school and earning fifty or sixty thousand dollars? You know, I when I got out of high school, I was earning four dollars and twenty five cents an hour, and I was just tickled to death. So <laughs> you were doing well too, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're really excited about it. We've done some real exciting things in the last sixteen or eighteen months at the plumbing board the least of which is not opening up this high school program where we can license, train, quality plumbers coming out of high school. It is a tough curriculum. It's it's focused and intense, and I feel confident when they get out of school, they're going to have the basics of of getting that tradesman license. I I think that that is just a, a great way for a lot of young people to to move and and uh, take a look, you know, for for maintaining their future and stuff. Uh, and l- like I said, going to college isn't isn't for everybody. And in fact, I'm surprised there's more and more people electing not to nowadays. And uh, you know, whether you want to be a, a plumber, an electrician, a AC technician, you know, all these different trades make a great option for somebody to just have a, a, a wonderful life out of these trades. It really is, Jim, and as you well know, 
plumbing or air conditioning or electrical work, it's not a job, it's a career. It's Absolutely. something you can spend your life and continue to improve yourself as you, as you progress through the ranks. So it's a, it's a great opportunity for young people. Penny and Bel Air, how can I help you? Hi, how are you? Wonderful. I have a question. I have a house that was built in 2003. The brick on it is a yellow, kind of a light yellow color. It's the same brick that was used at Texas Tech University. Okay. It needs to be cleaned. And the brick is sort of, I'm going to say it's kind of sharp um, edges on it. Uh-huh. And it needs, it needs to be cleaned on the chimney and around the bottom in the porta cachet and the patio. How do I clean it? Because I've heard like bad stories about power washing brick. How do well, I clean it? You have to be careful when you use a, a pressure washer to clean brick, but there's nothing wrong with using one to clean it. Where people run into trouble is they'll get a 4,500 PSI pressure washer and then put a, a cutting tip on it and get within you know, two, three inches of the brick, it's going to cut the brick. But if you get like a 3,500 PSI pressure washer, you got a, a you know, a spray wand on it that's... Uh, fanning out and you you stay 12 to 20 inches away just enough to take the dirt off you'll be just fine yeah nothing wrong with that at all philip this is jim how can i help you hello good afternoon thank you for taking the call my pleasure so i'm just trying to get uh understanding of what i might be expecting to do a bathroom remodel cost wise i don't know if it's $10,000, $20,000, $10,000, $20,000, I hope it's not, but what what can I expect? I know that it all depends on what I want, but it's right. a, you know, 3-2, 20-year-old master master bath, and I, and I want to freshen it up. Okay, by freshen it up, though, are you putting in a new tub and, and countertops and cabinets and the whole nine yep. yards? Yep, okay. yep, all of that, taken out taking out a few things moving walls no 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 moving of walls <clears throat> okay so we're just we're just dealing with the with the uh, space that's there and just redoing it all yeah exactly just just getting it up to you know this generation basically okay well here's the unfortunate thing remodeling and materials and everything are, are at a, an all-time high cost-wise right now. And, you know, you were mentioned 10, 20, you know, whatever thousands. Right. Uh, y- you are likely in between there or more. Okay. Uh, I, I would, if I was going to be looking at... Uh, and I'm making the assumption you're hiring somebody to come in and do it, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're you're going to probably be in that fifteen to twenty range then. Wow. And now, I was hoping it was, uh, I was hoping uh, it was be in the ten range, and I did not want it to be in the twenty range. Yeah, and you know, depending on what type of materials you choose, it can even be higher. Now, oh, it can also it also can be less depending on what materials you decide to use and uh exactly what the contractor has to do to take it apart 
the thing that a lot of times they run into when they start pulling everything apart in a bathroom that way is there's wood that's gone bad because it's gotten wet over the years and things like that and that adds to that cost if it's a clean remodel where they can you know go in and just pop everything out put new stuff in right away uh you could be down in the 10 12,000 range but hmm. normally that's not the case normally that's not the case all right um uh, thank you for that i set some parameters there on a, a kitchen remodel man you oh, like to do expensive rooms don't you well th those are the rooms that make a difference right yeah, i know it, it it truly is uh you will spend every bit as much uh, are you going to do all new cabinets in there well, either new cabinets or, uh, you know, new door facings, that sort of thing, you know, try to, you know. Okay. You know, the, the door facings will usually save you somewhere 30% uh, over just replacing the cabinets completely. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, budget-wise, if you're gutting a kitchen out completely and going to redo it, you are typically going to be right now eighteen to thirty. Wow, son of a gun! You will spend on just the, uh, what size kitchen are you dealing with? I mean, it's a uh, three thousand square foot house, so it's you know, it's a medium sized kitchen, I would say. Okay. You know, you know, new appliances, you know, the whole... The whole oh, my God. Appliances are just off the, the chart right now. Uh, you know, you're going to easily spend 6000 easily on appliances alone. Mm -hmm. uh, and then another probably six to 10000 on just the cabinets. And now those are two items and nobody's even picked up a hammer yet. Right. Uh, answer me and, this, please. What What's your thoughts on some of, you know, uh, I'm going to say the name. Uh, I think it was Cabinets to Go. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like a really, seemed like a good outfit uh, up there on the north side, uh, North Freeway, versus, you know, full custom. Yep. I, I've actually used Cabinets to, to go for uh, a few projects, you know, that I've done. And the the Cabinets are fine. I'm, I don't I don't have a problem with using them. But even going that route, you will pro just to purchase the cabinets. You're going to be in that probably six thousand plus range. Wow! And, and those and those are boxed cabinets uh, assembled on site, correct? Correct. Roughly, am I looking at probably a fifty percent savings by going uh, boxed assembled on site versus trim carpenter? It's it's really going to depend on on the the way you want them finished, but uh, usually no, you're not saving fifty percent. Uh, okay. Normally, you're going to save about a third. Is all. That's it. Okay. Yep. I have a retaining wall of railroad ties, which needs to be replaced due to aging. To replace it would be very labor intensive. You promote Crete stone, and a couple of months ago, you talked about a new product that the last part of the name was Crete. Can't remember the first part. Also, when I lived in California, they used a material, don't know what it is, that they sprayed on the sand dunes to make them 
keep them from eroding. I think that one of these products could be used to cover the railroad ties and avoid the labor of having the ties removed. The height of the existing wall varies from two foot ties to five foot. What are your thoughts? Or perhaps you have alternative suggestions. Well, I, I will tell you uh, that Learn Crete is the, the concrete product that I talked about a couple weeks ago. They spell it L-U-R-N, Crete, C-R-E-T-E. And uh, you can take a look at that if you'd like. Uh, as far as spraying something over the railroad ties, you really can't do that because they're rotting. They're deteriorating, and whatever you put on top of them will crumble with them. So I really don't recommend that. I typically recommend replacing them with a uh, stackable block that interlocks, and I do quite a bit of that. So, uh, you know, that's another way to take a look at it. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 